Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Additional support comes from our friends at Manscaped, the winning name in men's below-the-belt trimming, offering engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. The holiday season has come once more, so return those pubes to the times of yore. Get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. You've skipped the tricks, now avoid the nicks. With the Lawnmower 3.0's proprietary advanced skin safe technology, this trimmer cuts on your nuts. Not to mention it's waterproof power so you can shave in the shower. Also included in the Perfect Package is the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, the Crop Reviver for quick spritz refreshing, a pair of Manscaped high-performance anti-chafing boxers, and a t-shirt. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20% and get free shipping. Tis the season to trim the trees and feel the breeze between your knees. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your second place and playoff bound Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-a-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Mr. Christopher Cullen. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, I'm great. I did what I said to do, and I took my medicine, and uh, the Dolphins have rewarded us for yet another victory, my friend. This is starting to become a whole different podcast because we're just having these bright, cheery shows every week, and I'm not used to that. Uh, I'm not used to that either, quite frankly, and I remember one of the times (laughs) you and I were talking about, maybe we don't need to wear so much Miami Dolphins stuff. We're already talking Miami Dolphins. We don't need to rep the colors all the time for the video cast. Everyone knows who we are, but here we are. I'm wearing the beanie. You're wearing the uh, Bill Belichick hoodie special. <laughs> with the uh, the hat, and you've got Dolphins gear smeared all over the place. We're just proud to be Dolphins right now. And quite frankly, Chris, I'm getting calls from people who are like, how about your Dolphins all over the place? The Miami Dolphins uh, are a force to be reckoned with. We're going to talk all about that, Chris. But let's talk about the game that was. Uh, we're talking, of course, about the rookie sensation versus the other rookie sensation. Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins beat and defeat the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. Uh, what was it? 29-21 was the final yep. score, if I'm not mistaken. And I, again, sounding like a broken record here, Chris, but it wasn't even that close. Uh, we gave them some points. We took some points off the board for us in the first half. Uh, the Miami Dolphins came out and dominated a team that came into that game being two and six and uh, left them two and seven. Here we are again, Sam, on a Sunday when I'm watching the game with my dad and my brothers. We're, we're tweeting, um, and I'm just I'm not nervous. I didn't get nervous at all. Like there wasn't one time in this game where I was like, "Oh shit, here comes you know Herbert's going to take him down the field and lead it." No, like it was just like like you said, the score was not indicative at all. 
with how badly we beat this team. There's a couple of errors where we should have won by two, three scores plus um, the Tim Karras bad snap and and others. So um, they had no worry at all, man. We had full control of this ball game. Defense came to play again. I can't wait to get into what um, one of the uh, Chargers receivers came out and said uh, after the game uh, that basically re- really did not look good for Justin Herbert and his rookie, the rookie quarterback. But uh, man, it, it felt good again to it didn't really have to do too much defense special teams played great and we are had another victory Sunday so it's fantastic man yeah you know again we joke about me being a, a reverse jinx on this show and I don't want to give him too much praise in case that happens to be true and I'm starting to believe it's true Chris because I think for two weeks in a row I've said something to the effect of you really can't rely on this defense to give you a score every <laughs> single week now can you Chris and as it turns out maybe we can because the Miami Dolphins defense didn't score in this game, but they came really, really, really close on special teams with Andrew Van Ginkle. There's that man again, blocking a punt early in the game. And then the Miami Dolphins recovering that right around the one yard line making it really easy for Savon Ahmed to go in and get his first career touchdown as well. So maybe we can rely on special teams and defense every single week, Chris, maybe we're there. Yeah. Good teams do that. And that's the thing with the Ravens did and have for a long time in the Steelers in the nineties and two thousands, they, uh, a, a different facet of the, the team won a game every different week. Um, and, and then here we are with these extra plays. And I remember when I was at Wingate university, we had a uh, whiteboard uh, and we kept tallies. We kept points. They gave us points. They had a grading system for positive plays for plays on special teams that helped turn the game over. Like for example, a block punt that gives you the ball where you literally don't have to do anything to get in the end zone. That's a huge plus play for the special teams. Yeah. They didn't get the points, but they made it happen. And, and that's more important than really Ahmed scoring. So that's one of those things where, uh, those facets of the game are coming into play. You know, you had Jakeem Grant punt return prior, you know, w- week prior. Uh, these guys are getting sacks. They're, they're, they're forcing Herbert throw the ball just completely inaccurately. Uh, he did not look like the fantasy powerhouse that he has been all season. And um, it just one of those things I was worried about his legs, and he kind of got us a couple times, but that's it. The defense played unreal, and the guys like Van Ginkle making plays every single week is a lot different than what we're used to. You kind of laugh and you're like, oh, Van Ginkle, what a weird name. But every really good team has those players that just like make big stops, make big plays uh, for a team like that's a good team um, that their fans know. Like we know and love Greg Camarillo and, and these kind of guys and Brian Hartline because they like did big things that kind of mattered to us but weren't huge facets of the game. But when you have a good team – and you had these role players like a Van Ginkle that are making plays week in and week out and you know, random white 92, which uh, great congratulations on the contract extension, making these plays that you never even heard of. Like not only is he like a big name for us as a fan base, but the national media start to notice them. And that's when you know you're a good team. Now, when you sign a three-year contract extension worth millions of dollars, you're no longer random white 92. You're Zach freaking sealer at that point. And he's been playing lights out as well. And to your point with Andrew Van Ginkle, Chris, I I caught myself early in this game after that block punt, which, by the way, one of the most hilarious things ever. You can know this guy's aware. You know he's blocked a punt or two or come close a couple of times. Because if you watch the footage of him blocking that punt, right before, right before he actually makes contact to block the punt, he turned his head the other way like, this is going to hurt, and I'm not about to get kicked in the fucking chin. (laughs) So he actually turned his head and had his hand out. was like, let's just see what happens, and ended up blocking it. But that's a guy who's been there before. And my point on that is that after that block punt, I kind of like sat back in my chair, and I went, 
okay, this guy's this guy's legit. This guy's for real. This guy brings it on defense. He brings it on special teams. We kind of already knew that. We're already rooting for him, to your point. But this is one of those plays because he keeps doing it week in and week out. He is a difference maker for the Miami Dolphins. And we talked last week about who was going to step up because uh, we thought Kyle Van Oye was going to be out. And I don't think either one of us said Van Ginkle. Maybe you did. I certainly did not. But he comes in on special teams, makes that play early, huge play for the Miami Dolphins, and then also played well on defense. He had a couple plays on, you know, standard defense. So you're just like, okay, this is one of our cornerstone pieces. He is a guy that's going to be here for a while. And not only is he going to be here just, you know, warming a seat, he's going to make plays. He is a difference maker for the Miami Dolphins. And you love it. He's one of our own. He's a homegrown talent, if you will. Yeah, we got to keep those kind of guys around if we're going to be good consistently for the next few years. And I disagree with you. I think he turned his head because he really wanted to get the kicker's foot caught in his hair. That would have been amazing. And then his head, his foot just flies off with it, and then he's out. That's almost like a ridiculous prediction at that point. Um, <laughs> almost as realistic as a whale's vagina coming down, which is what you said was going to happen last week, and then uh, so murder Jakeem Grant after the game-winning touchdown. Uh, but speaking of Jakeem Grant, I got to give the man props. Got to give the little man big props. Uh, he came correct in this game. Not only did he have that touchdown pass from Tua Tungavailoa, uh, he, he had a play early in this game, Chris, where you know Jakeem Grant looks like if you sneeze on him, he's going to blow away. And he was hit by like like three defenders and kept his little legs churning, you know, like a little engine. <laughs> and they just gave up because they thought that maybe he just like burrowed into the ground, like a little squirrel that he is. No, he gets out of it and makes another five, six yards happen. And I, again, had to sit back in my chair and go, all right, well, maybe I was wrong about this motherfucker too. <laughs> I'm just, apparently I'm wrong about all these wide receivers now, Chris. This is a Sam Marcu revenge tour for the Miami Dolphins players and, and, and side, side guys because it's just constantly. I just can't wait. One one of these days, he's going to score a touchdown and literally just point at the camera, lift his jersey, and it'll be it'll just say FSM, and we'll know exactly what that means uh, in perfect field. But, yeah, Grant, great game. Again, kind of leading towards what I mentioned on the podcast before, that two and him are going to have some chemistry because of practicing with the twos and things like that. Uh, with Preston Williams out, we said we needed Parker and Gesicki to step up they had a couple of plays, but man, Jakeem Grant stepped up and Ahmed stepped up. So that's where, you know, you're a good team where you lose a player like Preston Williams and someone else just says, Hey, it's my time to shine. And they did it. Malcolm Perry, a couple of good plays as well, especially on that scat little loss for run. And then he ran around to the left and got a positive yardage. So uh, Sam, this is the, the likings. It's not, again, like we started the show, we're not used to it. These role players are stepping up and that's something that's the Patriot way kind of, and the good teams uh, where there's injuries and every other team is like, Ooh, they got this guy out and this guy out and the Patriot fans were always like who cares the next guy's going to step up and we're going to do well because we're well coached and we are with Brian Flores I'm glad you mentioned the Patriot way because I was actually going to bring that up on the other side of the ball and I will a little bit later but you're absolutely right I think when you look at the Bill Belichick coaching tree everyone always wants to go get that sexy defensive coordinator or that offensive coordinator like a Josh McDaniels and go oh he's the next big thing because he was under Bill Belichick Uh, Brian Flores is the real deal and I'm going to explain a little bit why a little bit just a little bit later but one of those aspects is exactly Exactly what you just talked about that Malcolm Perry play you're talking about it reminded me of like you ever just like you're about to you know you have to take the elevator and it's closing and at the last second you just go for it and you dive in and you and you clear the whole thing and you get into the elevator and you don't have to wait that's what he did he found the, like the tiniest little crease and scooted through there and got like 10 yards it was an amazing thing um, but you, you mentioned a couple of different things that I think we need to touch on here 
Jakeem Grant had a great game. Devontae Parker statistically did not have a great game. Mike Kosicki statistically did not have a great game. But to your point, we said that both of those guys needed to step up in Preston Williams' absence. And something that is not going to show up on the stat sheet as a positive necessarily. Uh, but those guys were targeted often. Mike Kosicki had a lot of targets in this game. More targets than I've seen for Mike in a couple of weeks now. And he didn't always get the ball but he was somebody who was covered by two defenders the entire game. If you go back and watch that, there's at least three or maybe even four plays where Tua throws him the ball. It's kind of one of those impossible catches. He's trying to make it happen. He has to put it in a certain area. There's two defenders draping on Mike Kosicki pretty much the entire game. That means that's, you know, somebody else like a Jakeem Grant or Malcolm Perry or, you know, whoever is actually got, has the opportunity to get open underneath somewhere, you know, in the flat, whatever the case may be. So I think Mike Isicki actually did affect this game. Devontae Parker, same thing. Uh, even though they didn't show up in the stat sheet, which kind of screws me for fantasy football. But other than that, they did a really good job, I thought, of being in the game and almost like, you know, high profile decoys, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And they actually did hit the stat sheet where it kind of counts the most. And they both, uh, Kasicki, five targets, Parker, seven, uh, both with two catches, but both with over a 15 yard average per catch. Yeah. Uh, Gasecki actually looking at the stats here, two for 40. So two 20 yard catches. That's just big tantalizing catches that, that that were awesome throws by the way there was a one where he easily could have taken the check down on the rollout to the left uh waited a second like a sick get open and hit him in perfect stride um so if we can get those big ones um i had a buddy and i'm gonna take a second here i know i'm on video but i'm gonna look at my phone because this was a very uh, uh significant stat here uh that it's our friend actually jason jennings you know him from the fins.com shout out to uh, jason Absolutely, Jason. Uh, 71.8% of Tua Tungle-Vailoa's passing yards come before the catch. Hmm. So, um, meaning we're not getting yards after – there's no yak. It, it, they're catching the ball, and they're getting tackled. But he's throwing 200-plus yards, and almost 80% of them are catches, tackles. So – once we start hitting those yaks, the, like the, the world is his oyster. We're talking three, 400 yard games now because they're catching him in stride right now. He's hitting them. They're going out of bounds. He's hitting them in pockets, throwing them through defenders hands, which was unbelievable. Uh, if you rewatch that, I don't know if it was a great throw or a bad one and just got lucky. I'll just call it lucky. We've been pl playing well right now, but uh, you sit there and you look at these stats and look at these throws by Tua. He's throwing the guys, they're timing routes. They're getting hit. They're getting, uh, they're re really uh, efficient throws, which you want to do for a young guy. Uh, in the first few starts, but um, I think it was Bleacher Report or somebody came out and said the Dolphins are winning games. Tua's playing well, and he's literally just getting his feet wet. Like imagine as now it's going to start slowing down. He's even came out and said it's not as hard as he thought it was going to be. All uh oh, like the button. It's time to hit like the red button. Now we're going to start throwing those slants uh, for for big gains and 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 throwing it deep. Um, shout out to that crazy bad snap, and then he throws it to Parker too for first down. That was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, two was doing things that veterans should be doing. I was talking to a friend today, and he's like, "Wow, he's doing really well." And like, he 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 reminds me of a veteran game managing quarterback right now, but he's in his third start. And that, I mean, what a way to be if you're if you're being compared to like a Trent Dilfer type who won the Super Bowl, by the way, and right. you're in your third start. And I disagree. I don't think that play was lucky. I think what that play was and what I'm talking about is the is the pass that literally went through the defenders hands like they were closing and the ball went through. I don't think it was lucky. I think what it is, is to a to his arm speed and his the strength of his passing ability is still somehow underrated, even in the pros. Like, yes, he did that to another professional athlete. I mean, I think that's the impressive part of this. He threw that ball so fast. The the athlete on the other side, the defender, is 
a top level athlete. Like let's make no mistake about it. He's playing linebacker in the NFL for a professional franchise. He recognized that the ball was there. And normally, normally Chris, uh, they're going to get a hand on it. They're going to tip it. They're going to do something to disrupt that pass. That ball went right through his hands. And you could tell he's like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like, what do I have holes in my hands? I have no idea how I didn't even get a finger on that thing. And I think that's a testament to just the physical ability of Tua Tunga Bailoa to be able to snap that thing through there and make that a completion. Now, do I want him doing that all the time? No, I absolutely don't. And the game, they're going to catch up to that, right? It's almost like if you throw 101 miles per hour in baseball, eventually the batters are going to adjust and, and recalibrate, essentially. So we don't want him doing that all the time. But the fact that he can do that is impressive as hell from a physical standpoint. Some of the throws he made, Sam, were some of the most impressive throws I've seen from a professional quarterback, and not even just for the Miami Dolphins. He, he finds his read, plants his foot, and lets it go. Like, it's just night and day. And I, I, I got a jersey. I'm looking at it right now, signed by Ryan Tannehill. I, I like the guy a lot. I really did. Um, but that's something you did not get from him. He would stand in the pocket, and he'd pat the kind of ball, you know, to pat the baby's back. And, and then let it go. And that's giving defenders in the NFL a lot more opportunity. Now, Ryan was able to do that a lot because of his arm strength and his, and his talent um, and his arm where he could put it on the money and, and, and split the defenders. But Tua just drops back, stop, boom, drops back, stop, boom, drops back, looks left, right, boom. Like he just throws it. And um, there's a play in particular to Gusecki over, over the middle where it's like, and this is what Gailey said after the game and what a lot of his coaches said in Alabama. It's like he sees the play happening before it happens and knows the way it's going to go just based on how the defense is aligned, based on the protections he has on the offensive line. And he took a three-step drop and let it go before he even like said three Mississippi. Like it was just like drop, 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 boom, and put it on the money. It was just unreal. And, and watching him do that, and it, the good thing is they're going to adjust, like you said. Then that's where Tua is going to work in a pump fake, or he's going to do what he did in national championship and look right and completely go left and just let it sling because he knows he's going to be open. He just knows it. He feels the game. His feel of the game and his pocket presence and the way he moves around in the pocket, um, the 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 light at the end of this tunnel, Sam. And I don't want to sound too you know giddy about it. Slainer kind of called me out and us out on it on Reddit by uh, be, being overly optimistic right now. And, and I, I feel that I do. I feel that we are dolphins fans. So we know, uh, but there's enough sample size of what we've seen from Tua Tungle by just from physical attributes, Sam, where the mental side of the thing is going to slow down as he plays more. And those physical traits are still there and getting better. And that's just unbelievable. Well, you're looking at a raw piece of clay that's, you know, already got some carving in it because of who Tua Tungalabailoa is. And, and again, he's making plays that rookie quarterbacks should not be making. And that is just a fantastic. And again, let's let's not forget, by the way, not only is he a rookie, he's got two offensive rookie linemen protecting him. He's got a rookie running back. He's got rookies at the wide receiving core. I mean, I haven't seen a team go six and three. Well, quite frankly, as a Dolphins fan, I, I, I could probably just end the <laughs> statement right there. But. Look at how many rookies they have playing, Chris. And it's 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 fascinating to me uh, by far now, especially with people going on, you know, COVID and 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 um, you know, injured reserve and everything else. They are by far the youngest team in the league. They're six and three. They're beating other teams that are playoff contenders and playoff bound, and they're doing it with rookies, Chris. Rookies. We're not talking like 27, 28 in their prime. We're talking 22, 23, still getting carded if they were able to go to a bar and, and have a drink because they are so young. I mean, it's insane uh, what the ceiling is going to be in a couple of years. Yeah. To, to your point, it was just pretty interesting. Uh, I just thought of it as you're saying it. We basically played the whole la well last game without our two oldest players, Van Noy and Fitzpatrick, and we didn't miss a beat. 
didn't miss a beat. Your two oldest veteran guys. Here comes Van Ginkle. Here comes uh, uh, Random White. Here comes Agba and these guys we brought in. Shaq Lawson, hell, hell of a season he's having too. Getting overshadowed a bit by the, the amazing performance that Manuel Agba's uh, performing right now. This defense is unbelievable. I was talking to Jason earlier today, actually, and I was excited to mention on the show. When you look at your defense, you got Xavier Howard and Byron Jones on the boundary. The cool thing about Eric Rowe and Brian uh, Bobby McCain is that they're great blitzers and they're really aggressive, as you can see by uh, uh, was it Needham uh, as well as a great blitzer. He had the sack there. Uh, Needham comes in and, and where a uh, Brian Flores picks his spots. He does it so well. They, they're so starting to pay attention nationally, Sam. And I know this is kind of a tease to the second part of our defense as a defense coordinator. I'm salivating watching our defense. There's not one guy with his hand in the ground quarterback, young first season linemen have no idea who's coming. Who's not. Maybe none of them do. Maybe they drop 11 in coverage. Fucking knows. They're doing something crazy. You never know. Brian Flores is just in the zone right now. When it comes to play calling, he's picking his spots with his blitzes. Uh, Guys like Van Ginkle are hitting Herbert right as he's throwing the ball, causing an incompletion on third down. Xavier Howard's getting a, yet again another interception. It's just uh, the the way that the whole team as a whole is playing on all three facets, plus coaching, is just uh, again it, 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 we're playing a broken record. But man, watching this helmet on Sundays, we're just not used to that, and it's fun. No, and you know, look, we we scored twenty nine points, and I severely think we left at least seven Absolutely. more on the field, if not ten. I mean, th- th- this is another example of a, a team that probably should have had a close to forty points dropped on their head in, in the Los Angeles Chargers. But we've talked a lot about the offense, and everyone who watched the game saw what happened, right? Tua, you could see the flashes of brilliance. You can see this team coming together. You can see the rookies. I mean, how about Ahmed almost getting a hundred yards? Uh, I you believe it's made- been so long since we've had a hundred yard rusher when they. Drop Kalen Balage. Kalen Balage was the that. last time that we had a hundred years ago. Yeah, I know it's two. crazy. How can we go a whole two seasons without a hundred, a hundred yard rusher? That is just, it's nothing in the NFL, nothing a hundred yards rushing. Like that's expected from good running backs. Now two years. I am um, writing that down as position of need in the first round of the <laughs> NFL draft. Uh, Travis Etanin, come on down, please. Let me ask you this before we move on to the defense, because I do want to talk about the defense and the Patriot way, but uh, has Ahmed shown enough here in two games to be crowned the starting running back going forward? Has he ripped this starting role from his former starting running back mate in college, Miles Gaskin? Uh, it depends on if Brian Flores is the type of coach that's going to allow a player to lose his position based on injury. I could see Gaskin being healthy and getting thrusted back in, but when you're running for 90 yards and the, the touchdown was kind of a, a gimme, but uh, he got in there, um, which there's been years where we don't score there. So that we're again, not used to it. Broken record uh, right now. We're kind of a running back by committee, man. You're talking about, you know, Laird and Gaskins when he comes back and Jordan Howard's been cut like we just literally, Hey guys, uh, the skinny running back uh, that from that one university out West, get in there and run the ball. I don't care what your name is. Uh, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, Jordan Howard, I put it on Twitter, but uh, he's going to gain more yardage walking to his car after he was cut from the facility. Than he, that was such he, a bad burn. I'm surprised that he didn't get signed immediately by the Patriots or the Seahawks because you just jinxed them because that I, I read that and literally cringed a little bit inside. <laughs> Well, whatever. He had he had what 28 carries and 35 yards, and I'm not even exaggerating. I think that was his actual stat line. He had like 42, 42 touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. 
don't know how he did pull that off, but he did. Uh, well, you know, look, I, I don't have any ill will towards Jordan Howard. I, you know, goodbye from Perfectville. Enjoy wherever it is you go next. Enjoy the Bengals or wherever the hell you go. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, you look at our running backs and, and Matt Breida, you better heal up, man, because we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of hope for Matt Breida coming into this season, but uh, a guy named Miles Gaskin and a guy named Sylvan, Suvan Ahmed is about and to DeAndre Washington too had some carries the guy we just signed so look I'm telling you at this point I looked it up Chris Ryan Fitzpatrick is the second leading rusher <laughs> for the, the Miami fuck. Dolphins he is he really is he's got 135 yards rushing and he's he's like slightly above Ahmed at this point so Ahmed is going to beat him on the next game right but at this point it's Miles Gaskin Ryan Fitzpatrick so we have to address the running back long-term at some point. And I don't know if it's going to be one of these guys or if it is going to be a running back by committee. If we keep winning, I don't give a shit. You and I could dress up and go, you know, run a couple of, uh, <laughs> you know, dive plays here and there, because if we keep winning, I don't care who's getting the ball when, uh, when two is not throwing it. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys that probably listens to the show and knows there's a bet in place for him leading the team in rushing. And we're going to do, we have a three game stretch right now where it's just, you know, I don't want to you know be a Sam and jinx anything, but they're, they're three winnable games. I'll just say that where your ridiculous prediction might've predicted something legitimate where he might actually get some playing time next three games. As we put two off to the side, when we're up with a big lead and he can inch closer and closer to that rushing record and just same thing, lift up the Jersey, LOL two time HOF because he knows I'm going to you know have to do something crazy with the bet. So I can see him doing that couple of things that you just said that I need to unpack before we move on to the defense. I swear citizens of Perfectville that we're going to talk about the defense in the Patriot way, but two things. A, uh, did I just become a verb? Um, I don't want to Sam it. I don't want to be a Sam. I don't want to, I mean, you just, you just turned the, the, the jinx name into the Sam. That's right. Uh, I, I'm happy to wear that crown. I guess uh, I'm honored to be, to be an adverb or a verb or somebody's going to look that up and, and let me know what the right English you know, conjunctive, whatever is going to be. Um, and then second of all, I love what you're saying about Ryan Fitzpatrick, because I was having this thought, you know, like in baseball, when, when you're up like 23 to two and you're just like not going to waste your pitchers. So yeah, you put you fuck like around your, and put the center fielder in a pitch. Yeah. Exactly. You put like the backup catcher in and go, Hey, go throw some strikes. I feel like that's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> at the running back over the next year. We're going to play the jets. We're going to be up like 47 to two. I don't know where they get to, um, and we're just going to put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. He's like, you want me to, you want me to throw the ball? And they're like, no, 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 we, we want you to run the ball. And uh, he's going to be like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not what I normally do, but sure, let's have some fun. We're winning the game anyways. And he's going to break off like an 80-yard run. That'd be hilarious. Imagine him in his celebration. He's going to do the whole like, ah, thing, like with his hands as he, you know, uh, runs an 80-yard run, probably stiff arms a couple of guys, runs someone over. Uh, and then, you know, some lineman from the other team after the game is going to ask for his signed jersey. Uh, and then he'll just laugh as he knows that I lost a bet and have to eat his beard or something. Hey, speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, did you notice at the end of the game that Tua gave Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> the game ball? And he and then Ryan, it to the sidelines. And then Ryan was like, oh, that's very sweet. And then turned around and fired that motherfucker <laughs> Like just to some kid in the stands. Like, I don't, did he keep that? Or was he like, fuck you and just threw it away? Look, what really happened, of course, is he threw it to the equipment manager and he kept it. 
what I like to imagine happened is he like whipped it towards to his parents in the crowd. <laughs> just was like, I don't want this fucking ball. Are you kidding me? That'd be like, you know, me getting a promotion over somebody and like buying the guy a steak lunch and being like, here you go with all the money I made the promotion. You wish you got like, he's going to look at it and be like, fuck it. This is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Like a steak dinner. And he's like, yeah, I have enough money now. It's disposable income. Like enjoy it, buddy. Uh, yeah. That, uh, that's how I imagine it happening. Ryan Fitzpatrick's like, I need another game ball. Like I need another kid at this point. You know, it's just like, no, I don't, I don't need your game ball. Hang on to it. So it was just so funny. It was like the last image I saw in the game. And like Tua comes over to him, you know, very respectful young man's like, thank you for all the mentoring. I gave the last game ball to Brian Flores. I'm giving this one to you. And Fitzpatrick's like, oh, that's very nice. And turn around like, fuck you. And just throws that <laughs> thing away. I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. Um, all right, let's get to it. Cause I've been talking about it. I keep teasing it. It's time to talk about the defense and the Patriot way. Chris, you brought up a great point about on the offensive side, the Patriot way of next man up. You know, if somebody goes down, you just plug somebody else in and you play to those strengths. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to test you a little bit. You and I did not talk about this off the air, but you bring this up quite a bit when we're talking about playing the New England Patriots. What's the one thing on defense that Bill Belichick and the Patriots traditionally do uh, to offenses when the Patriots are playing them? Take away their best player. Bingo, right there. Take away their best player. That's why Chris and I are good hosts, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't talk about this before this went on the air, but I've heard Chris say it before. I've listened to Chris say it before, and I believe Chris when he says that. When you look at what the Miami Dolphins have done over the last couple of weeks, let's just go two weeks back against the Arizona Cardinals. Pretty good offensive game, which, by the way, hats off to the Arizona Cardinals for beating the Bills uh, with with their own version of a a Murray miracle. Um, But who is the best player at least one of the best players on the Arizona Cardinals offense there, Chris. Other than Kyler Murray, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins had no catches against the Miami Dolphins in the first half. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins ended up, other than a couple of PI uh, calls against him from Xavier Howard, really didn't have much of a game against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, who are the best players for the Los Angeles Chargers on offense, Chris? Um, with Eckler out, I'd say Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen had one catch in the first half. Mike Williams didn't even uh, – in fact, I don't think Keenan Allen even had a catch in the first half. Mike Williams certainly didn't have a catch in the first half. And if you look at what Justin Herbert's been doing as a rookie, impressive numbers so far. He had his worst game as a pro, as far as I'm concerned. I know it's a, it's, it's a small sample size, but it's still there. Um, the Miami Dolphins are doing exactly what we've always preached about the New England Patriots. They are taking away the best player on offense and forcing the other players to beat them. And you know what? <laughs> I hate to say it. What a good strategy by Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. I know you can say to do that, but to actually do it. Holy shit, Chris, this is what good defenses do. And they're targeting, they're saying that's the best player. And I don't care how we're going to do it, but we're going to take that guy out of the game plan. And you're going to have to beat us with somebody like a Christian Kirk, or you're going to have to beat us with somebody like a Hunter Henry, you know, a good player, but not top player on their team. And it's impressive to see the Miami Dolphins not only have the right game plan, but then go out and execute it. Well, and that's the thing, too, especially when you do it with Herbert, is you have a game plan in mind to get Mike Williams involved, to get Keenan Allen involved, and then all of a sudden we come out there and do that, and it forces this rookie quarterback on the fly to find someone else to throw to. And that's not as easy to do, especially when you're a rookie. And obviously, Kyler Murray, year two, he had some success. Christian Kirk had a great game, but Brian Flores came into that game saying, look, if we lose Christian Kirk, we we deserve to lose. I trust our offense. Uh, and he made great plays or what have you. Um, but 
we shut down DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe those good plays to Kirk are great plays to Hopkins. And that's what they're betting on. Here's the thing with the whole thing with that is uh, leading into how they played. They're down the entire game, Sam. I forgot who it was. It might've been Keenan Allen, but one of the receivers for the chargers came out and said literally that um, they, they had to run the ball because they were worried about a devastating play. If they threw the ball too much, like literally we're down all game and counted on the run game to come back. Because our defense was so strong, either if it's going to be a devastating play from a sack fumble from our offense, our defensive line and our blitzing, or if it's going to be a devastating play from a young quarterback throwing an interception to someone like a Byron Jones or Xavier Howard, their game plan literally was, okay, guys, we're losing. Let's go out there and run the ball because we'd rather run and hope we break one than force the pass and make a devastating play. That was just a testament to Flores and our defense and the way um, that we're playing right now. And uh, now possibly another tease to segment three, we might be going against Brett Ripken, Ripken. So that's why I'm saying Fitzpatrick might be getting a little warmed up because good God, if, if, if Goff, Murray and Herbert are struggling against this defense, I don't know. The silence speaks volumes. So uh, I think that was going to be the last thing until we moved on to the next segment, Chris, was what did that wide receiver say about his rookie quarterback? That was it, huh? Oh, that was it. Yeah, they literally, their game plan was, yikes, we don't want to force it. (laughs) So let's run the ball. That's our game plan. With Keaton Allen, Mike Williams on the field, Justin Herbert, woo, is he as good as Tua? Everybody's arguing. Their game plan was, holy shit, we can't. We're going to lose if we throw the ball. We're going to have to win this game running the football down points. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, you're the down weirdest by game plan ever. Yeah, it really is. You're down by multiple scores. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, how are we going to get back in this game? Well, we're going to have to just eat up time by running the ball with Kalen fucking Balage. That's our best bet. Kalen Balage yeah. is our best bet to get back into this game. And you could see some of that frustration from, I think it was Mike Williams late in the game. And there was a pass into the end zone that just really went way out of the end zone. And Mike Williams is looking at Justin Herbert like, what, what was that? that? What the hell yeah. was that? But if you look, I mean, that defense, they, they were hitting him the entire time. I think we only got two sacks technically, uh, but there was a lot of hits. I mean, I didn't look at the stats, but it's got to be at least three or four additional hits, which you're right, throws that rookie off of his game plan. And uh, side note, Chris, side note, Justin Herbert is the ugliest motherfucker I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. I thought like it was like bad acne or something on his face. He's He's got like, I don't know. It's, it seems like what's on his face is every time, every meal he's ever eaten that's gotten a little bit on his face, he never wiped it off. And it's just there the, for like his entire life. Hopefully, he I hate it. I don't want to, I don't want to diss a guy for his looks. Unless you're Matt Moore. <laughs> but Matt Moore looks at him and goes, Holy shit, that is an ugly motherfucker, isn't it? Like, like, oh, God. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just being mean, but uh, Justin Herbert, you know, maybe get a visor for the a very dark visor. Um, <laughs> this is what we do, really. We're like judging men's looks. Like, no, I mean, really. How cocky though. are we? We go six and three for the first time since 2001. <laughs> Look at that ugly son of a bitch in Los Angeles. Ah, he doesn't get laid. Can't wait to talk about the Broncos game when Drew Locke looks like a bitch. <laughs> like, like, he's a fat ass. Like, what are you, what? What are we doing here? But yeah, back to the defense. There was that time the play I was talking about with the defenders were all standing up. Uh, it's third down. Herbert literally knew pressure was coming. He did not trust his line at all, did not trust protection. And it forced him. We didn't even get close. They actually picked it up pretty well, but he panicked, ran to the left a little bit, didn't set his feet, threw it wildly inaccurate to the left. 
fourth down, you got to punt. Um, that's the kind of stuff that got into the young rookie's head. And uh, Brian Flores right now, it's like we're playing chess, they're playing checkers. And the Miami Dolphins used to play down to, to teams. And, and they, this team isn't as bad as the, their record looks because they've lost a lot of one-score uh, games. Um, but you, you go out there now, and normally the Dolphins play down to these guys, and we're just taking them by the, by the hair out back and, and whipping them. So th- this is pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, look, even this game was a technically a one-score game, 29-20, uh, yeah, 29-21, eight points. Every single one of their losses for the Chargers this year has been of the one-score variety. Um, but, again, it should have been that close. A, Jason Sanders somehow missed a field goal. Uh, this, there's there's three points that should have been there that is no longer there. And also, we were driving again. It looked like we were going to go up 21 to nothing before that bad snap between Ted Karras and uh, Tua Tungavailoa there. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're going the other way because the defense picked it up, ran it all the way almost all the way down until Tua Tungavailoa you know decided to be uh, a free safety as well and make a nice open field tackle so um this game again that's when we say it wasn't as close as the score actually was this game probably should have been a double digit uh win for the Miami Dolphins but not even yeah not even close yeah you're right yeah yeah and, and we got to move on because you and I could talk about this game we've already been talking about this game that's already happened for like 25 minutes here and we've got some other things we have to talk about because it's not all rosy in the town of Perfectville Chris there are some things about the Miami Dolphins that I have issue with now nobody on the team per se none of the coaches really obviously not the front office if you listen to our podcast last time um but i'm talking about the national media chris i'm talking about sports journalists quote unquote i'm talking about all of these collective assholes that have been trashing the miami dolphins forever and not because of legitimate reasons we have become a punchline to a very very bad joke for a very 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 long time and now all these guys are bending over backwards sticking their own thumbs up their own ass to try to get the good favor with the miami dolphins fan base telling us how great we are we know assholes we know we're great we know how good we've been this year we know how good we're going to be in the future we've been telling you that this was the plan for at least 18 fucking months at this point we told you this is what we were going to do and we went out and did it. And you guys are all shocked. Like, oh, my God, the Miami Dolphins have talent. They have a coach. Oh, holy shit. How did this happen? <laughs> when did we get a coach? When did they get a coach? Are they, is, they got a coach? We should write about this. Nobody knows about this. We all know about this. And you guys are over there all of a sudden. Look, the Miami Dolphins on the come up. Miami Dolphins, they're legit. That's what I heard this week so far. So All the power rankings, Chris. CBS, ESPN. Uh, you know, all of the ones that are out there. Uh, pro football uh, daily or talk or whatever the fuck these legitimate sports media is talking about how we are actually legit. Like these wins count guys. These are good wins. The Miami dolphins. They're a good team. Don't take them for granted. They're a good team. Shut the fuck up. And furthermore, rich Gannon, you can shut the fuck up forever. How in the hell are you a guy who gets paid to talk about football every single week? When you have comments like the thing I like about Jakeem Grant is that he's a very North and South runner. Are you fucking kidding me, Chris? Jakeem Grant is a North and South runner. Anybody doesn't know what North and South is. First of all, he's Northern challenged. Let's just talk about that for a second. Second of all, the biggest issue that I've had with Jakeem Grant since he started collecting punts for us is that he catches the ball. And instead of going up the field, he goes left, right. And then there's like a crease. And he's like, but I could do a loop de loop and then run out that way. And he ends up losing 15 yards when he should have gained 25. The last thing Jakeem Grant is, is a North South runner. If he becomes that, Great. Good for us. Good for him. Good for everybody. But for Rich Gannett to sit there with a straight face and say, well, the thing I like about Jakeem Grant is that he's a north-south runner. Tells me that the amount of football he's watched of the Miami Dolphins this week or, or uh, uh, this season 
was what he was watching right there in real time. Second of all, Rich Gannon, you were a quarterback in this league. You played in the Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders back in the day. So I know you know what offense is, but I also know that you can't say offense. For the record, it's pronounced offense, not offense. Okay. The only reason it's offense is when you get hit and you fall down and you break your neck like you did. So if I can make one request, it's that Rich Gannon is no longer allowed to do Miami Dolphins football games until he can figure out A, who the fucking players are and what their strengths and weaknesses are, and B, learn how to pronounce the side of the ball that you played your career on. Okay. It's, it's offense, not offense. <laughs> Uh, Sam, yeah, I got to chime in here because it's not just Rich Gannon, who was absolutely terrible on Sunday, but it's it's everyone. It's all these national media outlets, the Bleacher Report, Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Talk, um, Washington Post, the NFL Network. For They've just been just gushing all over us and just suckling on the fin dick of the Miami Dolphins football team because they're six and three, and all of a sudden they're taking notice. We know, like Sam said, we know our team. We know we're good. The Rams fans know we're good. The Cardinal fans know we're good. All right? The Seattle Seahawks fans know that we're good because we beat every team in their division and should have beat them. So these fans know, and you're talking down to them and putting us in the top five and the top 10, Sam, little tease for hates giving coming up. I fucking hate power rankings. I hate midseason power rankings. I hate preseason power rankings because the teams are different. The players are different. The situations are different and I hate them completely. They're clickbait for people to get articles and go, well, you see, we moved up two spots. There's a ring for that. There's no ring for that. As a two-time Hall of Famer and doctor, there's no ring for a power ranking in week eight and week nine there's no ring so anybody excited about being top five right now shut up we got to play the chiefs we got to play the patriots again we got to play the bills got to play the raiders shut up these mean nothing yeah we play the jets yeah we play the broncos yeah we play some other fucking shitty teams coming up shut up the power rankings mean nothing us being six and three mean nothing we've seen this before we've been nine and five and it means nothing we've been 10 and whatever and it means nothing because we lose in the playoffs or lose before we get there so these national media guys are coming out all of a sudden good morning morning football's talking about us for 20 minutes saying they're the real deal brian floor is the real deal now you want to be fun and be excited and everything i got people at the bank coming in they're like oh well i'm really a panther fan but man i love the dolphins back in the day shut up Shut up and don't join us when we're good now. There's no room on the bandwagon. We've enjoyed this team sucking for 20-plus years. Let us have it. We know. That's why he's the two-time Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen, right there. He just named this episode once again, and this week's episode is going to be named Shut Up. And you're right. And all the people that are listening to this right now, the citizens are going, wait a minute, you just spent 40 minutes praising the Miami Dolphins, and now you're telling other people not to praise the Miami Dolphins? That's absolutely right, because the Miami Dolphins are ours. Chris nailed that. We have enjoyed this team being shitty for 20 years. So we get to enjoy this moment when they're good. And we've, we've suffered through this entire thing without making pot shots at other teams or anything else. We've had to just sit there and adore it. It's kind of like a family member, right? Like we can pick on our own little brother all we want, but as soon as somebody outside the family does it, they're getting mollywhopped right in the fucking eyeball. Cause you're not allowed to do that. Everyone else right there is outside the family. You can tell us how good we are, but you do it in a respectful way. You don't sit there and be like, oh, my God, did you guys know that the Miami Dolphins drafted a quarterback and they also got an offensive lineman and then some guy named Noah in the first round? And they also have more picks because Houston Texans are terrible at football and general managing. And then they just got more picks for this guy named Larry Tunzel who once smoked weed. And when he smoked weed, we were mad at the Miami Dolphins for drafting him because he was on the Miami Dolphins. But if any other team like the Raiders or the Patriots or the Jets had done it, we would have said, wow, what a great value pick. Fuck you. Shut up. You're absolutely right, Chris. They all need to shut up. So 
this is why, and, and we talked about this off air with some people that we do business with on the Fanatics Network, and we talked about why we started this podcast five years ago. There's a bunch of reasons why, and I'm not going to rehash all of them, but one of the main reasons is that when you looked at mainstream media and when you looked at national media, when it came to the Miami Dolphins, the coverage is garbage. The coverage is absolutely garbage. They'll go 32 teams this hour, and you get like 30 seconds, and like the Miami Dolphins are still here. Let's get back to the Patriots. It was terrible garbage. You couldn't actually enjoy yourself as a Miami Dolphin watching this team through the lens of the national media. So then you go to the local sports media, the Omar Kellys of the world. Oh, boy, that's what we get when we're Miami Dolphins. We get to listen to Omar Kelly tell us how Tua Tungabailoa is a bad quarterback. Shut the fuck up, local sports media. That's why we started this whole thing is because we know as fans what's good and what isn't good. We know in our gut when somebody is good or bad. You know, do we have bad takes occasionally? Sure. Mainly Chris, not me, but wow. it happens. <laughs> but the whole point of us starting this podcast is we wanted to actually hear about the Miami Dolphins through somebody who actually lives with this team, right? Day in and day out. So my recommendation to all the citizens of Perfectville out there that are looking at power rankings, that are watching Sports Center, that are reading, you know, the sports segment on uh, CBS Sports or, you know, New York Daily News or whatever it is you read, stop doing it. Don't do it. Listen to us. You know, uh, read blogs from people that follow this team. I mean, that's how Travis started. He started writing about the team, and all of a sudden he's now like the head writer, Grand Pua for the Miami Dolphins. That's the way it should be. You should yes. have some actual physical stake in the team that you're covering. And that's my soapbox. I will get off the soapbox, Chris. Well, one last thing, Sam, uh, and it's a perfect analogy, I think, and I think you'll agree with it. The Miami Dolphins are that fat, is that fat girl? that was like fat in elementary school and middle school with like acne and braces. And everybody's like, Ooh, look at Rachel's it's fat. And then she like over one summer just got taller and uh, started working out and doing yoga and came to school. And everybody's like, who the fuck is that? Oh, that shit. That's Rachel. And all those guys that were all assholes to her in middle school started like wanting to date her. And she doesn't forget. She never forgot. And she dated the guy that was her friend in middle school. We're the friend in middle school. The dolphins are Rachel. We get to be with Rachel because we are like we we're nice to her when she was fat. She's hot and skinny now. She's gonna date us. Dolphins or Rachel, we're the nice guys. Social media are the jocks. My girlfriend's name is Rachel, which is why this is so funny to me. Uh, <laughs> I just picked a random name. I'm so sorry. You picked the most random white girl name ever. I'm Rachel. Uh, but you're right. We were the fat chick, and now we're skinny, but we still got them big old titties, and now everybody wants to take a look at us. So that's mm -hmm. it, man. That's the analogy right there. If nothing else, maybe that'll be the name of the show. The Miami Do last last week's episode was long wiggly dicks. So why not big old titties? You know, keep it even. Long wiggly dicks and big old titties. People are like, <laughs> well, this must be a really serious podcast. <laughs> I hope they break down the uh, all twenty two film on the episode with long wiggly dicks and big old titties. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think assuming we still have sponsors after uh, that, uh, let's go. Let's go play some commercials. Uh, I'm going to get myself a little refresh on the medicine. Chris is going to do the same and then uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk all about the Denver Broncos Miami Dolphins affair citizens of Perfectville. We'll be right back after these words. Get some skin in the game with my bookie where odds boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. 
Whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing with my bookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic tables, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use the promo code FINSUP to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. You put in 200, they'll match you another 100 in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And we're back. And the Miami Dolphins are back this week playing against the Denver Broncos on the road, Chris. We're going to Mile High Stadium or whatever they call it these days. Are we playing John Elway? No. Are we playing Brian Greasy? No. Are we playing Drew Locke? I don't know. What do you make of the Miami Dolphins going against a pretty bad Denver Broncos team this week, Chris? I hope we're playing Drew Locke after his four interception performance last week against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, he just hasn't looked that good. Um, Drew Locke is, I don't think the answer, maybe uh, they, they scored 12 points, Sam 12. This isn't a baseball men's league, like softball beer league uh, at the YMCA. Like they scored 12 points in the NFL against a division opponent. Like it's just not good. Uh, he has bruised ribs, supposedly no break and it hurts really bad. So he might not play his week to week, but honestly, uh, if Drew Locke doesn't play, after his 47 attempts uh, with a 5.5 yard average per completion and four interceptions. Um, Brett Ripon Ripian is the backup. Um, and like I mentioned earlier in the show, Goff, Murray, Herbert, Ripian. I kind of like our chances, mile high or not. I, we're going to change his last name to Ripian. Uh, that 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 sounds like uh, the way it should be. It's actually pronounced Ripon. His his dad. He comes from a pedigree. His dad actually played uh, with the Washington Redskins and won a Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills of all teams, uh, way back in the early early nineties. But uh, to your point, uh, you know he he he's he's Mark Ripon's son. It's kind of like saying, oh, he's Bob Greasy's son. He could be good. Um, right. We see how that works out sometimes. Uh, it's called the Michael Jordan syndrome, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not terribly worried about the Broncos game. And I'm trying to figure out ways to terrify myself so that I should be more terrified because I feel like if I walk into this as kind of like a quasi, I don't know, uh, trap month for the Miami Dolphins before we go into December, um, I, I'm going to feel like I'm going to be disappointed if this game isn't just a complete blowout. But I'm having a hard time finding where the Miami Dolphins lose this game, Chris. I mean, I'm looking on offense. I'm looking on defense. I'm looking on special teams. I'm looking at coaches. And I think we just have them outclassed at this point. This seems like one of those, okay, we have to do this. Let's focus. Let's get it done. Um, but I don't see the Miami Dolphins losing this game. 
No, yeah, you got to come in focus for sure. It's the NFL football team. They still got Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon and a guy I really like and I picked in a lot of fantasy drafts as a rookie, Jerry Judy, who played with Tua Tungvaluwa, Alabama, uh, who could make plays happen, uh, very fast, good receiver. So uh, Noah Fant has been doing well for them as well at tight end. So I'm a little bit worried about those guys. we got to lock them down. But if we're forcing Drew Locke and, uh, or Ripen, Rapin, whatever his name is, um, and or in the pocket to throw the ball, I like our chances. There's just no way that I'm – looking at this team and i'm like oh man like i'm really worried here especially with um you know what's his name their best player at defensive end being out for the season i don't even remember his name because the broncos are so irrelevant yeah i i forget that the broncos are still in the league i'm like i thought they retired when john elway did like i honestly it, i know that sounds like a shitty thing to say but you know what that's kind of how i feel and the funny thing about i think all of this is well i'm looking at it now um, the Miami Dolphins are favored in this game, actually. So they're favored by three and a half based on the latest lines that I've seen. Road favorite, I saw, well. Yeah, I saw earlier it looked like the Denver Broncos were favored, but uh, the, I think maybe that's just bad information. And the Miami Dolphins should be favored. The fact that they're favored by three and a half, you know, the, the, the old kind of standby, Chris, is if you were favored by three at home, um, that was kind of like a, a toss-up, right? Like the home team de facto gets three extra points. I don't know if that's still the same formula or not, but that really means like Miami Dolphins are looking at maybe win by a touchdown. I think the Miami Dolphins are probably going to win by more than that. I mean, I, I think Tua is going to continue to evolve, continue to do better. I, I really want to see him throw the ball in you know, the mile-high air. That thing could maybe just never come down out of orbit if he gets one <laughs> the right way. Um, it would be interesting to see if Jason Sanders could kick a 60-yard field goal in Denver. I think that would be a lot of fun to see too, is if we're lining up and all of a sudden we're at midfield, it's like, ah, bring out Sanders. Uh, that would be kind of fun to see as well. So I'm kind of looking at this as let's see what our team can do. That's what I'm looking for in this game. That's what's going to make me excited. You know, couldn't, if, if the record is a double flip, could we do a triple flip as an example? Um, that's what I want to see out of this game. I want to see something kind of unique for the Miami Dolphins against this Denver Broncos team. What I'm looking for here is our defense to take control uh, completely just uh, keep the Broncos offense uh, in, in constant three and outs. And I'm looking for our offense to play a, a, a game where there's no guessing. There's no nail biting. We're kind of used to it at this point. Uh, the Cardinals game not included. Obviously, that was a nail biter. But um, I want this game to be, p- be put away. I kind of joked about it earlier. I'm serious. I want Ryan Fitzpatrick to get snaps this game because I want Tua to have his breakout game against the Denver Broncos where he comes out. We're up 21-24 nothing, but in the second quarter, and we're just kind of coasting at this point. Uh, I want to see our first 100-yard rusher since Kalen Balazs. Please get him off any kind of record book on the Miami Dolphins uh, when it has pertaining to them. And let's get one of these guys on the board 100 yards and um let's not get conservative once we get the lead because i'm looking to get into the 40s here uh for with my prediction as it comes in a little bit but um i, I really want our offense to come out click on all cylinders um to have his breakout game offensively put it away early defense just pins their ears back and has their way with them all right so you uh you tease where you think the final score is going to be so i'll go first this week and i think the final score is going to be a no doubter um i don't know if we get to 40 because i think we will kind of let off in the second half like we've seen early um in this season we let off against the jets we've let off against uh the rams uh, and a couple of other teams after we've taken the lead and that's by the way that's one thing the miami dolphins have not ever been known for is getting out to big leads early except for this year the miami dolphins brian flores led team chan gailey led offense is getting out early and just running away and playing hide you know go hide and seek after that uh, I, i'm going to say the miami dolphins win this game handily i'm going to go with i'm feeling 32 let's go 14 
And I think that might even be a little bit high, but I think the, the Denver Broncos get themselves a garbage touchdown late in this game, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams, just to make that score just a little bit closer. But 32-14 and a no-doubter, the Miami Dolphins win this game on the road against another Western opponent. Nice, Sam. Um, I'm actually 10 points ahead of you. I got us at 42 to six. And here's why. Yeah, no. Yeah, here's why. Because either Locke's going to be hurt and not 100 percent and he's going to play coming off a dreadful four interception performance. Drew Locke seems like the type of player that is just going to get into a shell if he starts having negative plays and we're the type of defense going to feed off that. And Flores is not going to stop sending the dogs and he's going to make a bad throw after bad throw. We saw it with Garoppolo. They literally just like benched him to like protect him because we're just beating the shit out of him. So um, I could see the same uh, uh, scenario happening here. And here's why I don't want to let my foot off the gas, Sam. There was like five or six teams in the AFC. They're right around six and three. Um, there's an extended playoff position now uh, with a seventh team, but I don't care. There's going to be nail biters and close teams at the end of the season. And it might come down to a head to head tiebreaker, a um, same team that you play like opponent tiebreaker. It could be a point differential tiebreaker, Sam. And if that's the case, you need to put up points. Don't let your foot off the gas. No more 20, nothing halftime winning 20 to three or 20, nothing. Let's score more points. Let's put our foot on the gas. Even if it means, you know, nothing crazy like a fleet flicker, but go three, four wide and hit some seam routes and let Tua still get some work. Listen, it's game three or four for him. No pre, season if we're winning big not too big i don't want to get them hurt but still get them out there throwing the ball i don't want these three and out and punts we we're kind of doing that against the chargers and yeah that game was not as close as it should have been but let's be real it was an eight eight, eight point game and it shouldn't have been we were coming out in that fourth quarter i was tweeting about it during the game and it was conservative run run obvious pass run 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 Run, run, screen, run, run, obvious pass. And the defense was able to predict that and play against it. And we didn't have much success. So I really don't want us to do that. Be that top tier team, take the next step and go out there and drop a 40 burger on these guys. All right. Well, he's got it 42 to six. I've got it 32 to 14. Either way you slice it, it looks like a Miami Dolphins victory against the Denver Broncos this Sunday, week 11, which would put the Miami Dolphins at seven and three, Chris. And here's the fun part. Okay. You guys ready for the fun part? When the Miami Dolphins beat the Denver Broncos, I want all citizens of Perfectville, all Dolphins everywhere, to immediately go look at the standings. Because the Buffalo Bills lost against the Arizona Cardinals week 10 to drop to 7-3. and three. And the Buffalo Bills aren't playing this week because they're on a bye. So when the Miami Dolphins beat the Denver Broncos, they're going to be 7-3 and three as well, which means we will be, at least record-wise, tied for first place, which means next week when we have not one, but two podcasts coming from the welcome to Perfectville game, we're going to have our regular podcast as well as, as Chris alluded to our annual hates giving episode. We'll be able to say, welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your first place, Miami Dolphins. So that's your homework assignment. Ladies and gentlemen, Check the standings, screenshot them, put them on Twitter, put them on social media, and show the Miami Dolphins tied for first place with the Buffalo Bills after we beat the Broncos week 11. I just went off on a whole rant about how I hate power rankings and shit, but we're going to be excited about being first place 10 games into the season. But you know what, Sam? I'm here for it. Inject that into my veins because I hate the Bills. We get to play them again, and they lost to the Cardinals, and we didn't, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, well, life's just one big, you know, 
hypocrisy. So yes, we can uh, we can do our own power rankings and uh, tell everybody else to ignore theirs. So that's just the way it works here, Chris. Uh, real quick, how did you do in fantasy in the okayest fantasy ugh. ever? Did you win or did you lose? Based on that, ugh, I'm going to say you lost. I'm still first place, still two games ahead of my division and uh, second place overall out of both divisions. Seven to three, Sam took the L, 99-91. But listen, Sam, bad luck for me. I mean, really, honestly, if we can talk about my horrible – we were talking about Drew Locke. Did it sound like I was kind of mad at him? Last week I played him because Matt Ryan was on the bye week and he got me like – I got more points than him on the on the on the couch, but let's just so to speak. Four interceptions, multiple sacks. Drew Locke was a fucking shit show on my fantasy team. I'm trying to fucking win a ship here and bring the trophy back. I go in and desperately take Locke, and uh, that's what I get for it. He ended up with six points, um, six points from P Ryan. Uh, AJ Brown, thanks for showing up for the Titans on Thursday night with three point one points. And uh, Devonte Parker, again, you mentioned it. No help for fantasy, but we won. I'll take it. Five points from Parker, um, and I have like millions of guys on bye weeks and injuries thanks a lot guys but yeah thanks for bringing it up seven and three took the l by eight points with all that shit by the way so i'm doing something right with camara and the other guys no you're doing something right i mean i dropped a five and a five i lost and it wasn't even particularly close but i i was kind of in a very similar situation as you in that i had patrick mahomes on a bye so i had to go out and get jared goff and i thought well jared goff against the seattle seahawks a defense that doesn't understand how to even defend the pass would be good uh jared goff didn't do too much for me and uh i was listening to another podcast podcast Chris shout out to the Seahawkers and they actually nailed it with Jared Goff and this is not a, a general NFL thing and we got to go but uh, they said that Jared Goff is a basically Sam Bradford in a blonde wig I mean that's essentially who he is if you can keep him upright he'll make a good throw but if you can get any pressure on him his career is going to be over and I thought that was the most I don't know astute observation I've seen in a long time Jared Goff uh, helping me lose in fantasy football so I dropped to five and five I think I'm in like last place or third place in my little division here for our fantasy football league uh, but you know what I'm sure race is uh, by the way happy birthday to race is going to be right there to give me his power rankings in fact those are the only power rankings anybody should ever listen to our race racelings power rankings in our fantasy football yes. league every time I win he happens to be like you know not available to do the power rankings every time i lose he's there to just shit on me for you know paragraph after paragraph but shout out to Raceling, happy belated birthday my friend hey listen to this real quick my quarterback running back two receivers and tight end combined that's five players 26 points camara 34.8 literally camara and t higgins carried me with their two performance i only lost by eight i lost by eight sam unbelievable well there you go and you know what's unbelievable we've reached yet another end of the Welcome to Perfectville podcast. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No. Well, there you go. And on behalf of Christopher Cullen, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, myself, and everyone at the Fanatics Network, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Uh-oh, Sam. Show's over. Time to unzip. What's inside? <laughs> you put a camera on Chris Cullen, and he turns into the oddest ball that there is. And I, lo- I love that. I love that if you're still watching this, I don't know why you are, but if you're still watching this, he unzipped his little you know drink cooler thing and then throws it off to the side and has an actual drink off, off camera. That he pulls in. So there you it go. Just like my love life, this was just a prop. Oh, well. That's sad going into the holidays. I'm kidding. I love my wife, Charlotte. Hi. She's probably out there somewhere and going to be so sweet when I go downstairs. She won't listen if she does. Love you, babe. (laughs) Try to save that.
All right. Well, stop recording. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.